God, thank you so much for who you are and for all you do. God, we love you so much, and we come on these mornings just to worship together, but we come to worship you. We come to, to meet with you. We come to be in your presence, God. I pray that uh, that wish, that hunger, that thirst for more of you would not, would not end uh, because of anything, God, but we would just continue that on, even as we, as we dive into your word and even as we leave, God, will we never lose a hunger for you. But God, this morning, as we close out our series, would you just, would you speak through me once again? Would the words that come out of my mouth be, be your words and not my words, God? Would they be pleasing to your ears? Would they be challenging to your people? Would this be uh, a day where, uh, where your word is, is made known and glorified? God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, this is, uh, this is the final week of our More Than a Feeling series. It has been, uh, uh, this is week 24. It's been a six-month journey, essentially, uh, talking through this More Than a Feeling. What, what do we believe? What do we do? Uh, who are we becoming? Uh, you know, in this post-truth culture that we live in, uh, we base what we believe and what we do and who we become on, on more than just, you know, opinion, you know, more than just something that someone said. It is based on so much more than a feeling. Uh, I could have put so much uh, in the beginning of that title. I just, it just felt kind of redundant. But it is more than a feeling. We're, we base everything on more than a feeling. And so we've, uh, we've, this is, like I said, the final week of the 24 weeks. We started this series uh, in part one uh, over here just talking about what we believe, what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Bible and the church and us as believers. What do we believe about eternity? What do we believe about salvation? What do we believe about all these things? And if, if we do believe all of these things and if we believe they are based on more than a feeling and based on what we find in this book, the revelation of God to us, then if that is true, then really part two is necessary. Then how, how should we live then? If, if what we believe is based on this truth, then how do we live? How does this truth call us to live? What are some practices that you and I need to put into place in our own lives? We talked about prayer and worship and discipleship and accountability. We talked about uh, being people who serve. We talked about people who, who uh, respect the sacraments, who do the sacraments. We talked about baptism and communion and, and all of these practices that we need in our lives that Scripture calls us to. What are we practicing for, though? Well, part three is where we've been over the last seven weeks talking about who are we becoming. Well, who are the kind of people that we are becoming? Who are the kind of people that Jesus is trying to mature us into? Are we trying to mature into the image of Christ? What are some of the virtues and characteristics that you and I should have in our lives as people who, who claim Christ? If all of this is more than a feeling, we talked about renewing our minds. We've talked about perseverance and prayer and love and compassion and discernment. And last week, we, we really kind of kicked off this, these last two weeks kind of go hand in hand. Last week, we talked about putting our lives, everything that we are, into the hands of Jesus. We talked about putting us in Christ. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you are now, your life is now hidden in, with Christ in God. What does it look like to place your life in his hands? 
talked about the imagery of a yoke last week. If you missed that, I encourage you to go take a listen to the podcast and, and just, just catch a glimpse of what we're talking about here. But today, we're going to build on that. We're going to build on this imagery because as we put our lives in the hands of Christ, an amazing thing happens. Is that Christ puts his life back into us. As we give up who we are and we say, God, I give you my life. God, I give you everything that I am after. God, I give you my desires and my hopes and my dreams. I give you everything that I am. Jesus takes that and in return gives us everything that he is. Now this is, this is like the bargain of the century here. Right? Jesus is basically saying, look, you give me all that you are, all that you dream, all, everything that drives you. You give me all of that, and I will in return give you all of me. Now, this seems kind of like a no-brainer to me. Of course I would want that. Of course I would want the life of Jesus in my life. Of course I would want that. You know, sometimes we just, we just don't. We just don't like it. But today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to have the life of Christ in us. To do that, we're going to go back to Colossians. So if you want to go back to Colossians with me, Colossians chapter 1. Last week we were in chapter 3. We'll go back to 3 later today, but we're going to start in chapter 1. There are... Uh, this verse in 127 is what I want to focus on, but we're going to read uh, from verse 24 all the way to 29. If you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 1015, uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 24. No, I can't find it. All right, here we go. There it is. Colossians chapter 1. Starting in verse 24. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that had been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy, Christ so powerfully works in me. Did you catch it in 127? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to just unpack here what Paul is saying just in these these seven words. Because I think these seven words are such an amazing final picture of this series, really. To talk about who are we becoming? What does it mean to live like, like what we believe is more than just a feeling? I think these seven words, Christ in you, the hope of glory, are such just a beautiful picture to end on. A beautiful picture to just kind of capstone all of this series. Because I think if we grasp this truth, and we, it'll shape our lives as followers. I mean, who are we becoming? What, is this, what does this look like? What does life look like with Christ in us? I mean, I just want to unpack this, these seven words, uh, essentially word for word here. 
So we're just going to start with the beginning here because everything should start with Christ. So we're going to start with Christ again this morning. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let's start with, with Christ. What is he trying to say here about the Christian life, talking about Christ? Well, I think really if you look at this, Paul is talking about the Christian life being really an empowered life. It's an empowered life because we have Christ in us. I mean, Colossians actually is written to a church in, uh, that is really struggling with some, some issues here. There's been some false teachings of this church uh, or in the city, uh, and they are really, these false teachings are really aimed at who is Jesus? Is Jesus really God? Was Jesus really human? Did Jesus really die? Did, was Jesus really who he says he was? And they have these false teachings saying, ah, Jesus couldn't have been human because he was all God. Or Jesus couldn't have been all God because he was human. You have all of these kind of teachings that are coming to this church that, that Paul is writing to here. And so here you have Paul, even just before what we have written, and starting in verse 15, Paul begins just to unpack who Jesus is. He talks about kind of the supremacy of Christ and who Jesus is. I mean, you see this in chapter 1, you see it kind of all throughout Colossians, but Paul is painting a picture here of who Jesus is, trying to combat this, this philosophy that Jesus wasn't who he says he was. And so here's Paul, starting in verse 15, really talking about everything that Jesus is. In verse 15, he talks about how Jesus is God. He's the image of God. Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Makes it pretty clear there. Jesus is God. He is the image of God. Even in chapter 2, verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus not only is the image of God, Jesus is God. Paul is making this case to this church. Look, Jesus is God. He is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He reveals to us the, the character of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Jesus, in Jesus, we see just a glimpse of the fullness of God. Now, Scripture tells us we won't see in full until we are there. But in Jesus, we see a picture. We see, we see glimpses of the character of God. Now, verse, he keeps going, verse 16 and 17. He talks about Jesus as the author of creation. Verse 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, in him all things hold together. I just want you to just hear this phrase, in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. So not only was Jesus the creator, Jesus is still the creator. He still is. The only reason that grass grows in Fresno is because of Jesus. The only reason any single one of us have breath in our lungs is from Jesus. This is it. They, they all in him, all things hold together. Jesus is the author of creation. Jesus is the creator. You can see this view of Jesus that Paul is trying to get at here. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the creator. I mean, he keeps going in verse, uh, in verse 18 that talks about Jesus as, as the head of the church. Verse 18, <laughs> and he is the head of the body, the church. I wasn't, I wasn't joking. I wasn't trying to infer what he was saying. He really just said that. Jesus is the head of the church. 
He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body. Christ is the head. Jesus, you're getting this picture now that Jesus is not just sovereign over creation. He's not just sovereign over, over the things that have been created. He's sovereign over, over you and me. He's sovereign over the church. Jesus is, is sovereign here. Amen. Then you get to verse 19 and 20. He keeps going here that he's the savior of the world. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. I mean, Paul is making the case here that, that Jesus, not only did he create everything, but the only way that creation can be reconciled is through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus on the cross. Again, you get this picture here that Paul is painting of kind of the, the supremacy of Christ here, that Christ is, is, is high and lifted high, that Jesus Christ is glorified, that, that Jesus Christ is not to be, yeah, he's, he's not one or the other. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is who he says that he is. Amen. And so you get this picture and, and I mean, this picture in Colossians, just think about this. If this Jesus is anywhere near your life, then your life will be forever changed. If this Jesus is anywhere near you, your life is going to be different because of who he is. So this is an empowered life because we have this Christ. But the, the, the amazing thing is, is this Christ isn't just near us. This Christ isn't just near us. Paul says this is Christ in you. Christ in you. What is, what is he talking about when he's talking about Christ in us? He's talking about having a, a transformed life. See, Paul in verse 27 talks about this, this mystery, this mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is he talking about here with this mystery? Well, I just want you to just think back with me. Think back into the Old Testament. How does God, how does God relate to his people? God is with his people. You read in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, talking to Abraham. Go and I will be with you. Talk about Genesis 26 and Isaac, 28 and Jacob, Genesis 29 and Joseph. You talk about Exodus and Moses and God was literally with his people in, a, in, a, in pillars of fire and smoke. And he is, he is literally physically with his people. They have the tent of meeting, the place where the glory of God dwells. And when Moses goes into the tent of meeting and he comes out, you can see in his face that he has been with God. He's been with God. God is with his people. And then you get to the New Testament. And you get to the, the Christmas story, and he will be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. But then you get to John chapter 13, and Jesus begins to say things like, unless I leave, the advocate can't come. Unless I leave, the Holy Spirit can't come and dwell in you. Unless I leave. And so you have this, this God with us is, is not going to be with us anymore. But it's not about God being with us anymore because 
the mystery that is now disclosed to the people of God, that no longer is it now God with us, is God in us. Now think about this shift here. No longer is God just over there. He is, we don't want to go there because it's dangerous to be there. Only Moses can go in that tent. Only the, only the Levites can go in that tent. I don't want to go there. Not only is God just over there somewhere. God is in us. In you and in me. Jesus died for you so that he might live in you. Just think about that. Think about the power that is in this statement. That this, and just think about what, what Paul is trying to say here to this church. This mystery, Christ. Just think about the image that he, Paul has painted of Jesus just in chapter 1. I didn't go through the rest of Colossians. Just in this chapter 1, think about the image that Paul has created, Paul has painted of God. And he's saying this, this God, just God in Jesus, Jesus is in you. This isn't just a God that we go see every once in a while. This God, this author of creation, this God who, who sustains everything, this God who is the salvation of the world, this same God is in you. I mean, that's, that's just powerful stuff here. This is not even the first time Paul has written about that, though. I mean, you go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm now crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is what Paul is, is trying to say here. This is a, this is a transformed life. I think about what is different when, when the life that you live is not your own anymore, but the life that you live is based on this Christ who we have seen in Colossians chapter 1 just, just lifted high. This creator God, this, this God who sustains everything, the God who the salvation of the world rests in. This God is in you and it's in me. And it changes everything about us. It changes the way we think. It changes our emotions. It changes our will. It changes our relationships. It changes our mission. You know, the crazy thing is sometimes we, we look at some of these things and we think, yeah, I just need to focus on getting better in these areas and then maybe I'll come around to Jesus. And that's just, it's wrong. Because Jesus will change all of this. Jesus will, 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 will do all of this. There's a, there's a quote here by Ian Thomas, and he says this. Beware, unless even as a Christian you fall into Satan's trap. You may have found and come to know God and the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving him sincerely as your Redeemer. Yet if you do not enter into the mystery of godliness and allow God to be in you, the origin of his own image, you will seek to be godly, by submitting yourself to external rules and regulations and by conforming to pat behavior patterns imposed upon you by the particular Christian society that you have chosen and in which you hope to be found acceptable. You will in this way perpetuate the pagan habit of practicing religion in the energy of the flesh and in the very pursuit of righteousness commit idolatry and honoring Christianity more than Christ. I mean, that just, 
drop the mic, walk away, Ian. Just, that's it right there. I think what he's saying is here is let life, let Christ live in you. Let the life that you live, just let his life overflow from you so you aren't consumed with trying to make the, trying to make the Christian life a reality on your own. Christ in you. That's important. Well, here we go. Christ in you. This is an exchanged life. An exchanged life. I mean, at our core is either us and our sinful nature, which every one of us has. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Or Christ. See, our, our core needs to change. It needs to change. It has to change. See, these, there's, there's, Jesus actually talks about the kind of people that Ian Thomas is talking about here in Matthew chapter 7. He's talking about people who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me. I never knew you. I mean, this is, this is an exchanged life here. And the beauty of this whole thing is that Jesus is the one who did the exchange. Jesus took our nature on the cross with him. Our sin nature was crucified with Christ. And God has, Jesus has replaced that nature with himself. He has exchanged his life for ours. He took our sinful nature and he crucified it with himself. Christ in you. In you. Jesus exchanges his life years. Christ in you, the hope. The hope. What is the hope here? The hope is, is really a secure life. I mean, you talk about, even in Colossians uh, 1.28, it's talking about being in Christ. Colossians 3.3, like we talked about last week. You know, your life is hidden with Christ in God. You go on to verse four there. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. In Philippians chapter three, just a little bit back, Philippians chapter three, starting at verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You skip over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. Here's what, here's what John says, verse 2 and 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known, but we shall know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And this, is, this is the purpose. This is the end. This is our, our hope. And the hope is that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. But the hope is that we would have eternity with Jesus. And we can be secure in this hope. We know that we have it. We can, we can know. We can be affirmed in our salvation. We can know Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And this, this glory is really what we're talking about here. The hope of glory. So here's the thing. Christ in you. The hope of glory. This is really who we're becoming. This is what it looks like to, to mature into the people that God wants us to be. How do we have this renewed mind? How do we have the kind of compassion that Jesus is calling us to? How do we have the kind of discernment that Jesus is calling us to or the love that Jesus is calling us to? How do we have anything, any of the characteristics and the virtues that we have talked about during this, this whole part three? Well, it doesn't happen unless last week and this week are true. That we place our lives into the hands of Jesus. And in return, Jesus places his life into us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the image that we're becoming. This shapes everything. I mean, just imagine if if every day we woke up and thought, this Christ, this author of creation, the one who sustains everything, the one who the salvation of the world hangs on. This same Christ is in me. How would your day look different if that's how it started? How would your mindset for the day change if the very first thing you think is Christ in me, the hope of glory? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And just remind yourself throughout the day, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have Christ in me. He's the hope of glory. I have this Christ, the same God that is talked about all throughout Scripture. This God is in me. This is what it looks like. This is what it means. This is who we're becoming. Man, I have loved this series, talking through more than a feeling, talking about through our beliefs, talking through our practices, talking through who we're becoming, but it all really hangs on these last two weeks. Are you willing to say, Jesus, my life is yours? And are you willing to accept the life of Christ and allow Galatians 2.20 to be free, to be true for you. For I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live because of Jesus. Is that true for you? I hope that it is. I pray that it is. And if it's not, I pray that today is the day that it becomes true for you. I pray that today is the day where you say, you know, I, I give my life to Christ. I want to, as Colossians 3, 3 says, I, I hide my life with Christ and God. And, and today I'll, I, I accept the life of Christ into me. I, I accept that Christ in me, the hope of glory, is the way that I should now 
live and operate every single day. Why? Because it sounds cool? No. Because someone told me I should? No. It's more than a feeling. Straight out of here. This is what scripture tells us about how we should live and about who we're becoming. My prayer is that each and every one of you, me included, will live every single day saying, Jesus, I give you all I have. And in return, I accept your life. And I live with you in me. And my prayer is that that makes a difference. Wherever you may find yourself, that people know. There's something different about you. There's, there's something there that I don't have. There's something there. And you can say, look, it's Christ in me. The hope of glory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for who you are, for everything that you have given us, for all the ways in which you blessed us. God, these last six months, if we've talked about this more than a feeling, this living our life as though it matters, living our life as though we, we have you in us, as though this, the truth in this book matters. It's not just uh, an opinion. It's not just feelings that we have that drive our faith, God, but it is the truth that we find revealed in this Bible, the truth of your word. God, would we go forward from this place? Would we, would we live in this dichotomy? God, I place my life in your hands, and God, I accept your life into me. The life I now live, I live through you. I no longer live, for I have been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live through him. God, would that just be our prayer? Would that be our theme? Would that be our anthem this week? God, we love you. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me just uh, pray this benediction over you. Uh, it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go in the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. Make a difference wherever you may find yourself. And may you live as though Christ is in you. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for coming today.